again to another episode of mike mike and oscar another oscar race checkpoint as the news keeps coming uh fast and heavy and we're going to be talking about all of its impact around award season and uh quite too unfortunately uh less of the impact it has in other areas of the world where you know it's still a nightmare out there i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike yeah, I was laughing at you not saying Fast and Furious for the hundredth time in the last <laughs> month there, but you're right. Uh, we got to take uh, solace in whatever we can right now because the entertainment news at large is terrible yeah. this morning. Like we got a fun episode planned, mm-hmm. and last night I I just I noticed the Cosby news that he yeah. was released. I mean, this is a convicted rapist for decades of, of <sighs> terribleness. I really really questioned that decision by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. I was reading all I could about it. I didn't actually read the actual decision itself. I just read some analysis, so maybe there's something I'm missing. But if it's what I, at least to my mind, who is not you know, currently in the legal game, I'm sure there's smarter people than me who agree with the ruling by the book, but I don't. I don't understand it. I think it's quite upsetting. He got out on a technicality after being convicted, after being convicted yeah. and guilty of, of what he did. Yeah, it's uh, they said it didn't. The former, the testimony of former alleged victims didn't establish a pattern of predatory behavior, which brings up its own. Sense. How do you? So they just wanted evidence. It's a whole. It's I have a bunch of legal questions that are going to do nobody any good right now. But suffice right. to say, I am with everyone else in, in being upset about that. And then Britney was not freed. Michael hashtag free Britney didn't happen after you were covering it on our social media. Yeah. Some despicable things coming out in that case. Uh, Britney Spears should be uh, a functioning adult. She should be allowed to do everything she wants to do in life, and yet she is basically held hostage by by her family and by the big business. I mean, what it's really about. Uh, she's making tens of millions of dollars yearly for for people in Vegas, etc. So I made this joke a couple weeks ago about. I don't even remember what I think it was systemic oppression, but like America is just such it's a bad, you know, improv show right now. It's yeah. like the powers that be are on stage and be like, all right, who do you want released from jail? And we're all over here like free Britney. And then they're on the stage like, did I hear somebody say Cosby? Oh, God. <laughs> like, that's what America is. Right? It's just, yeah, not good. Not not fun. Not happy and, and embarrassing, quite frankly, and and makes us all feel gross. But that's. You know, the, uh, we're, we're going to try to shift focus on the awards season segment and the impact of the news that's out there in Hollywood, even though we know it's not the headlining stuff and what we just talked about there is. But in the vein of this being an Oscar race checkpoint, uh, we're going to try to keep this awards based. Uh, and, and like Mike said, we do have fun stuff to talk about. I mean, it's a, it's a loaded episode with other news that is out there. Uh, and if nothing else, it could hopefully uh, distract us and give us a bit of a respite from as, as so tragically has happened way too often anymore, the real world that's going on around it. 
Yeah, we included a lot of fun trailers as well as potentially Oscar uh, movie trailers. And and yeah, I mean, the entertainment landscape as a whole is, is awesome. I mean, we just reviewed Tribeca, uh, mm-hmm. AFI Docs will probably be next episode. We may throw it in at the end of this episode. Zola's pretty darn good. The Black Widow reviews are pretty darn good. Yeah. Loki is great, Mike. you got to watch Loki on Disney+. Plus. I do have to dive in. I, I yeah. really do. I just have not done that. The, it's the just going to be six yet. episodes, too. So it's like this contained story. Like, it, 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 it's a setup where you think it's going to be 100 episodes long. Mm-hmm. Like, they could just do endless amount of Doctor Who stuff with this. And mm-hmm. it's a time travel nightmare for you. But it's not that. It's not <laughs> that. Like, there's some fun time travel questions. But if you're afraid, and I know mm-hmm. you are, yeah. of, like, a time debate with nerds yeah. and fans on yeah, film Twitter, yeah. don't be. Don't be. It's it's, Schmave was trying to convince me of the same, and he's like, and it's great. It's an awesome show, but I like it, so you'll hate it. I'm like, yeah, well, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I I actually think you'd have fun with it, so you'll have to watch it. I will give it a shot at some point, yes. Yes, sir. But all right, we got some trailers, and we'll we'll start with a more popular film right off the bat here, uh, a movie whose original we loved in Don't Breathe. We talked about it in our uh, home Home Invasion Scaries episode Mike annual horror movie award show that we write and we do every year don't breathe Two, written and produced by Fetty Alvarez but two is directed by the don't breathe one writer that's uh Roto Sayagues uh and of course we get uh Stephen Lang returning as Norman Nordstrom now is that his actual character name that's his actual character name Norman did Nordstrom his wow. level of intimidation just drop like <laughs> how many like how how less scary is he now that he's norman nordstrom this is my friend norman nordstrom there's got to be somebody named norman nordstrom out there right now listening he's like hey <laughs> he's just he's just doing bicep curls yeah just yelling at the <laughs> screen uh so stephen lang is is scary here yeah how to humanize a child predator sex slaver in 10 days huh this WTF, is weird, Mike. Mike. How, if he's not the grandpa, then what is he? <laughs> like that, that, we we have issues to report to anybody who'd listen. Yeah, uh, if he's not the grandpa, like what? Who? How is he in charge of this child? I mean, he seems like he's a. Benevolent. Even if he is the grandpa, somebody should be made aware of this. Like he, yeah. what he did in the first movie was quite unsavory. <laughs> That's very, 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 very true. I, uh, I unless know. this is a prequel. Well. Yeah, all right. I was going to say, I think this would be better off as like a standalone movie that just like paid homage to what happened in Don't Breathe. Like as a standalone story and what I what I guess like I, I, I see this one as basically that episode of Barry season two where there's the Kung Fu master and he's, he's got the uh, the ultra capable daughter that can't be caught by Barry who just like it never slows down. I feel <laughs> like that's what they're trying to do with this and trying to humanize this Norman Nordstrom character. Uh, maybe. But again, you're you're in the trailer in marketing the film. You're you're not releasing information that needs to be released. Like mm-hmm. if this is a prequel. Don't breathe too, waiting to exhale. I don't know what you call it. But <laughs> if it is, you got to tell us, and you got to tell us their relationship. So, so if they come out with a second trailer and they're listening, please explain yourselves. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I, 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 I would like to get back to my normal, you know, a bunch of uh, issues with any trailer. My normal, right? Uh, <laughs> like just flip the lights on and shoot them from a distance. Like, why can't we do that? 
<laughs> well, that's what that's part of the the issue too, right? Is like no, we love Don't Breathe one because it was so innovative and so unique. But the problem with the Don't Breathes and the It Follows and the Cabin in the Woods are like sometimes these ideas are so unique and innovative. But because they are so unique and innovative, they write themselves into a corner. They don't lend themselves to sequels or cinematic universe. I don't know how you can humanize this guy. Anyone that saw Don't Breathe 1 should have a major issue with rooting for Grandpa Norman here in Don't Breathe 2. Double N is uh, is not the, uh, the, the hero we think he is, yeah. nor is he the anti-hero we will usually want to root for based on the first movie. Now, again, maybe we're, again, we don't know right. certain kernels of information. I hope that's the case. What, what is a non-starter for me, though, Michael, is they showed way too many kills in this trailer there of principal lot. antagonists. Like, now, so now we know what happens. Yeah, but at the same time, I, so that doesn't that prove the theory that you they, they're expecting this to draw on people who saw Don't Breathe 1? Yeah. Because you know how violent Don't Breathe 1 was, so I guess they figure there's nothing to hide with the trailer in Don't Breathe 2. You kind of expect more of the same. And then at at which point, all the questions we just asked about how the hell can we root for Norman here come into play. I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of this trailer. I think, like you said earlier, uh, we should just rewatch Barry Season 2. <laughs> I agree. Let's shake hands and, and do that instead. Michael, the many saints of Newark. This is the prequel to The Sopranos. This is Alan Taylor, David Chase. This is Michael Gandolfini, son of James Gandolfini, reprising his father's most iconic role of Tony Soprano uh, in this prequel. So what did you think of the trailer? Uh first thought which has nothing to do with many saints in newark and i told you and our buddy garrick this is uh speaking of sons of famous actors apparently young dom toretto in fast nine is vin diesel's real life son we should have known that yeah we didn't do any research whatsoever at all we we researched jacob with a k's height we didn't research the fact that Vin Diesel's actually hulking, awesome son played his father. And Both that, you, that me, and Garrick were all like, our reaction was just to laugh out loud, be like, "Wow, <laughs> we liked it, that." That it was a great performance. Him. I still yeah. don't think he looks anything like his father. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Did is that what you said on the pod? I yes, don't that's exactly what I said. I don't think he looks like Vin Diesel. So, you know, I don't <laughs> want to accuse anyone of anything, but check out the Milkman. Maybe I don't know. I... <laughs> the Milkman is the Rock. <laughs> We, we haven't stopped laughing since we did Two Mike, Two Furious. Yes. Some of our best work, people, go back and listen to it. You don't have to watch all the Fast and Furious no. movies to, to enjoy probably, that. It's probably preferable you don't watch any of the Fast and That's Furious right. to enjoy it. But, uh, <laughs> my thoughts about the Many Saints of Newark trailer, um, mm-hmm. I think this was as good a trailer as this movie could have hoped to put together. And yeah. yet I still, like, why am I still underwhelmed by it? Do I blame Ray Liotta? Is it his fault? Because it's a prequel to the greatest television series of yeah. all time that changed TV forever. Uh, but is it Ray Liotta's fault? I, I don't know because I got confused. I thought that was Michael Myers who finally spoke. <laughs> no. I was watching too many trailers in a row. And uh, Imagine yeah. if Michael Myers' first words were the Ray Liotta monologue from Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> I was just been in hiding this whole time. Imagine it, if he had he just was given visitors in prison on a daily basis. <laughs> no, yeah, can you can you imagine if that happened in a movie? Uh, I know Ray Liotta need. Uh, 
I, I, I fear for my older Italian self that God is going to smite me now uh, for making fun of a beautiful man like Ray Liotta. But he, he, he shouldn't have done anything to his face. He's a, he's a beautiful man. He always was. Uh, I don't get work done on your face, man. I don't, agree. don't, please. Uh, and it, and it's sad to I me. I mean, do, do, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. But he's, I, I he's he, he the was shape. always a good looking. Yeah, he was always a good looking guy. And. Uh, this took a turn, huh? I guess this, this is how much I don't want to talk about Many Saints and New... Like, it's been a while since I've watched The Sopranos, Mike, and so it was like, I was getting a lot of like, oh yeah, I faintly remember this, I faintly remember that. I, I'm, I think I'm most excited about Vera Farmiga playing Tony's mother. We know how, let's say, strained that relationship was at the end. Horrible. <laughs> the relationship, Michael, was horrible. So... Is that Uncle Dicky, the uh, Alessandra Nivola's character? Is he in the show at all? I'm assuming that's Christopher's father no. because this guy's no, last correct. name is Moltisanti as well. Yeah, Dicky is uh, Christopher's father. <laughs> is, You're right. This is this is how it's going to be. All right. So <laughs> it's intriguing, but it, like I said, like this this trailer to me is intriguing in the way that I have like these faint bells of deja vu ringing every few seconds in the background when i'm watching it i i can't help but wonder what the broad appeal if any of this movie is going to be like is this going to be intriguing enough as a standalone property to actually draw in a new generation of fans introduce them to the sopranos and then obviously most importantly to wanners get them to sign up for hbo max I, I i i don't know that does this only appeal to sopranos fans or does this have enough to actually bring in a new generation of fans is my big question all right i'm gonna stop goofing around because you asked a bunch of intriguing questions there <laughs> Legitimate questions, and all right, here's what I saw in this trailer. I saw the floor raise up, because I was afraid of this movie. I was afraid of this movie being a bomb, and yet we have director Alan Taylor, who's a longtime HBO original series vet who crossed over to the MCU, etc. He did a bunch of films uh, for Hollywood as well. You know, he he's directed nine episodes of The Sopranos, and this felt very Soprano-y, even in in a quick trailer. I mean, you have... The creator, David Chase, he is the screenwriter along with, you know, Sopranos screenwriting veteran Lawrence Connor, who only wrote a couple episodes at the end of the run there. But still, he, he wrote he wrote for the show back when he was in those writers room. And, and we got a stellar cast that, you know, I don't think they went over the top to put too many quote unquote huge movie stars in here. I think they just fit a lot of really strong actors to these roles, Michael. Like you said, Vera Farmiga yeah. doing a nice job with a prosthetic nose that is very Italian. I'm a little <laughs> offended or not. I don't know. But I like her in that role, uh, especially coming off Bates Motel kind of thing. So all I need beyond that is a comprehensible story uh and then I get like five scenes where fat guys are just eating sandwiches. <laughs> Etc. I'm good because I. I mean, I, you love the series. We all did. I mean, I probably well, but that, watched but that's it two the, and a like, half is times. There, is there anything here for like? Yes, you're a huge diehard Sopranos guy. It speaks to, to your your heritage and all. Like, I can understand why there's this huge draw to to people like you. I can understand why there's a huge draw. I watched the series and yeah, there's a draw to me. Is this doing anything for anyone else out there? I don't know. I'm probably going to rewatch some Sopranos now, and and I, I'm I'm guessing there's somebody's Uncle Tony's going to go. Oh, don't talk to your mother that way. Wow, Whoa. that was good. Whoa. That was really good. I mean, it's going to happen. It's all the all the nostalgia is going to come right back. And and my hope is that this is 
somewhat of a hangout movie and that's what the show was the show mm-hmm. was as much of a hangout show as it was anything else and that's probably why it you know cast a spell on us because it was evil as shit it was the most evil show ever yeah. like you, when you rewatch the sopranos after watching it the first time and just being awestruck by how good it is you're like tony and these they're terrible terrible Assholes. terrible yeah <laughs> oh my god like you, you you watching that in college and then watching that after college and, and being a working stiff etc right. and seeing how they abuse and like lock these guys up get them <laughs> off the streets and yet we're rooting for tony for you know six and a half seasons or whatever it was so yeah it's 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 an origin story that should and could work i would say the fact that you got the multi-santi angle the fact that you got a lot of really good actors i i think it's going to be solid i would be surprised if it's great the fact that you got you know ray liotta as the shape you got james gandolfini's son michael playing his father to me that's you know that casting alone is worth the price of admission (laughs) poor ray liotta (laughs) just didn't ask for this nobody does nobody did (laughs) Uh, all right, Mike. Clifford, the big red dog, finally had its trailer. Give me two hours of this trailer, please. <laughs> uh, Amanda, eat your heart out. I have thoughts from her. I did reach out to her yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, if you want to throw some thoughts to me, I'll make sure they get in our show when we record our reactions tomorrow. And here, here's here's Amanda's takes about okay. the, uh, the Clifford, the big red dog trailer. Uh, why does the CGI look like butt? It why does, does look Clifford? Like <laughs> why does Clifford grow immediately? That doesn't make sense. So he's one, a big puppy. Dumb. One, one magical night from John Cleese saying so. Uh, yeah. Here's the big capper. Also, she says, "Why is she crying? Why is her love what makes him grow?" But like, she's crying. She's just lonely. Is she magic or is her love magic? <laughs> and then she accused the Clifford of teaching children bad science, which cracked me up. So. Uh, I don't know that this did any favors for our buddy Swell over there, but uh, I'm going to see. I actually like the love angle. I think that's kind of cute. And, uh, uh, you know, it's love makes the dog grow and it's this fairy tale type story. I think that's an easy, you know, get out of jail free card for how to realistically write Clifford. I uh, I, I don't care about anything you just said. <laughs> I, I do care about everything Amanda said because half of my joy over this trailer is to have her continue to de- deconstruct the mythology the yes. quote unquote her words <laughs> mythology of the Clifford saga and I, I can't wait going, to talk with her about this yeah I'm with you we have to right we'll have to get her back for this one because uh, like look I mean the trailer's funny like Keenan Thompson as the vet that made me laugh hard I mean he's just hysterical yes like when he's there just like oh yes <laughs> And then, I mean, uh, Clifford playing fetch with whatever douchebag was running in the giant bubble in Central Park, human-sized bubble. That made me laugh hard for him to grab that ball. It's adorable puppy stuff, but he's just too big, Michael. So this, we know we know why they wrote this children's story. It was just somebody trying to make money on a, mm-hmm. you know, too, the dog is too big and red story. Uh, and it's hilarious that Amanda just keeps uh, going at this, which was... Uh, very funny on our uh, on our uh, down the well with swell episode. As My well. response was that your your the hatred you have in your heart, Amanda, mm-hmm. for this lovable children's franchise, that's <laughs> that's like magic, 
is mm-hmm. just it endears yourself to me. <laughs> it's somebody after my own cold, dead, grudge-holding heart. So uh, <laughs> I, I agree in saying, like, look, the the visual effects. Like you say, this is a movie about a dog that turns big and is red. Like that's the budget for the FX. It looks like this this movie got as well that's because right. the green screening in this is rough. It's rough. I hope it's the uh, cable from Deadpool two. Uh, effects schedule and it's just not done yet me too but i don't think that's the case i me, think you're done. me either <laughs> it's hard to blend a dog that big and that red into the vfx as you're i already def- making immediately defend you're already you want to love this movie of course i want to love it i grew up with uh clifford my dad's name clifford so i had all the books growing up as a kid a very little kid oh that's very sweet actually. so again amanda you know just de- de- deconstruct my love for this and that but i i enjoy watching her go at this and then i think she does not enjoy me saying, but the dog's so big, and that's where you should land. <laughs> I want nothing more than for her just to, like this to push her over the edge. This is the last <laughs> straw, Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. It was a great episode, and yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a great future episode. Yeah. That's uh, that's very cruel on our part to do this, <laughs> but yes, Michael Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings debuted its second trailer. So, in a macro sense. There could be a sign of trouble. I don't know that I put a lot of stock into this myself, but when when the second trailer for Shang-Chi came out, like an hour or less later was the first look for Halloween Kills. Yeah. And film Twitter especially couldn't have dropped the Marvel movie any faster than it did to talk about Michael Myers. Now, obviously that means nothing, but <laughs> it it could mean something. I mean, there's a there's a sentence and a half that should go in the the pantheon of MMO quotes, but maybe people just already you know it's the second trailer versus the first trailer of something new, and it's the longstanding property versus something they don't there's not a lot of familiar with in Halloween versus Shang Chi. I don't know, but it could be an indication that there's a little less fervor for the Shang Chi property than a usual Marvel fare. It's an origin story of a new cinematic IP, Mm -hmm. right? Shang-Chi, it hasn't been adapted yet, of course. So Michael Myers is the upteenth continuation of, you know, the Michael Myers saga that was done as best as it's ever been. And now we get the sequel to that, which looks awesome. So I just think film Twitter is obviously invested elsewhere in terms of that one night that you're referring to here mm. uh that was not in Haddonfield you're referring to that I night was on say, Twitter he a, I heard he takes a detour to Newark in this new one but yeah <laughs> I think uh, I think YouTube numbers and that's all I looked at here the view the viewership numbers for the first Shang-Chi trailer was I I mean it's like 20 to 30 million when you tally up the couple Good. videos that show up first so that those are big numbers from just YouTube mm-hmm. the Michael Myers Halloween kills trailer is probably only around seven eight million when you tally those up so i i do think the 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 marvel trailer is doing well when you put that up against the overall internet numbers i don't know what else or where else you can tabulate those but the the first eternals trailer did 77 million views in its first two or three days michael so i don't hmm. know if shang chi is below that or or YouTube's, uh, uh, you know, only a portion and it's probably similar to that or what. So that to me is like possibly alarming, Yeah, you know, but I don't think they should be worried based on, you know, the fact that you know where 
this movie needs to play. It needs to play internationally. Like the domestic film Twitter doesn't really matter to me necessarily. Or the night of, you know, reception on film Twitter, I guess you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> goes in another direction. I, I don't like I don't get worried over that. Hopefully you're right. I want this movie to, to do well. I, I personally am excited for I thought these trailers were great. I, I know you and I see these things a little different, but Look, my first thought was it's really hard to review both a Marvel movie and Clifford the Big Red Dog in the same segment. <laughs> back to back? <laughs> right. Because like these effects to me looked so good and Clifford's looked so not so good. Yeah, yeah. So I thought this looked great. I mean, the dueling water, the wind manipulation, we're getting like Avatar the Last Airbender as it should have been done, it seems. Right, right. <laughs> by Marvel. And, uh, you know, I thought it looked stunning, honestly. Yeah, I'm not as big of a fan of of these two trailers, to be honest with you. But I, I would agree with you on the VFX front; those look awesome. I just wonder if Marvel's trying to sell me as an Oscars pundit. You know, they're marketing mo- these movies for a worldwide audience of people who want to go to a movie theater mm. after not being able to go to a movie theater for a while. Right. I'm thinking that's what this is. You know, the hope for this is. So I, I don't think they're marketing trailers to me. That being said, like. There's like there's a lot of story intrigue for me here. Like just the audacity of this, Mike. We have a superhero origin story about a superhero son who has to turn against his super villain father, yeah. who's trained him in these arts. I mean, that is that is ripe for some drama here. And the fact that you got these badass lieutenants that he's got to go through, that's that's incredible. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, and again, I knew nothing. I don't know if you knew anything about the Shang-Chi show. I knew I had nothing about it. So I'm taking these trailers cold, and I, I really like what I see so far. This one, we had Abomination from the first Hulk movie. He makes an appearance. This huh. cast is loaded with Asian acting royalty. Uh, yeah. The song, I thought, was a banger as well, even though I couldn't find the uh the name of it because oh, that, that drives me up a wall but yeah <laughs> but yeah no, michelle michelle yo uh wong kar wang favorite uh tony chiu wai long uh we have this movie ready to be a hit internationally yeah. i think everybody's you know craving uh a, a, a sit down at the movie theater for this my biggest issue with both trailers though if i'm on, honest is how they're blending in uh, aquafina the comedy scenes and that was my issue with the eternals trailer too like they're mm. doing such a good job with the drama that you know aquafina kind of sticks out with the let's run over all the parked cars fast and furious james mm. bond license to bill gaff <laughs> like i we just watched 10 movies of it and uh we had issues with it there the fact that aquafino will probably make it funny is is cool but uh what if somebody's parked in the car i can't just stop thinking about that <laughs> it's amazing how fast and furious got me yeah <laughs> we went through a billion marvel episodes with where so many citizens must have died <laughs> so many so many and i can't ignore it and it's like yeah man of steel stuff but no i think uh I think they will blend it in the movie better because we have 25 precedents of Marvel MCU movies yeah. being able to, you know, uh, do, handle the tonal balance of a big blockbuster film between action and comedy. That's been their go-to. Fingers crossed. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. All right. The Harder They Fall from Netflix. This was a long-awaited trailer. This is a movie that we both talked about quite a bit in our way-too-early Oscar predictions, Mike. Idris Elba and Regina King may be on the Mount Rushmore of cool alongside Coleman Domingo. Hmm. Like, there aren't many people or actors I'd even want to see walk through a shootout on a train completely unbothered in slow motion, but of that short list, 
of those that I would. Idris Elba is definitely on it. I thought it looked really cool. He uh, is one of the few that could pull that scene yeah. off. That's that's absolutely right. So I guess my issue with this trailer is just expectations. Like I just expected more Unforgiven than Magnificent Seven here, Mike. So the fact that we get a trailer as stylish as this, as big hit action movie western uh, as this trailer is, that I mean, this seems like a a hit movie. Like if this was in theaters, it would be a blockbuster. If this was, you know, I mean, it could be a blockbuster on Netflix. I mean, this looks great. It just marketed to me more as a Guy Ritchie, you yeah. know. 2000s trailer and they they literally have some of the you know fade to red fade to you know the the yep. they, they have some of the same gimmicky editing Lock, stock, as the guy Ritchie yeah. movies that we grew up you know watching the gangster movies there in the late 2000s so the fact that the harder they fall was to us going to be an oscars vehicle when we see idris elba elba and regina king leading it the rest of the cast as beats and jonathan majors etc cetera, etc cetera. i just i just thought this was going to be going to be marketed as an Oscars movie. So that's where I'm, I land now. It's not being arc- marketed as an Oscars movie so at all. So you thought it was going to be more traditional Western. I mean, I did too. Right. I mean, may, like, I didn't expect an acid Western. Uh, I, I expected, like, uh, an action-adjacent Western, but I expected as much drama as Western. And this is not really drama. This is this is style and, and you know, to burn. It is heavily stylized. I, I think the cast demands some kind of awards recognition. Like, you know, I don't like judging movies before they come out or ranking them anywhere. But th- to me, one, this has to have buzz for some sort of reason. Two, if the buzz is all because of the cast, well, these are, these are serious players in the cast. And there is mm-hmm. some cool stuff being done that's unique, even though it's, it is a Western. Like, the camera, I thought, was doing some wild stuff just in a few shots in the trailer. We're going through connected Love cars it. of a train in a continuous overhead shot. We have it affixed to the end of a shotgun that's facing back at Zazie Beats as she wields it around. We got this, like, who-framed Roger Rabbit Toontown-like <laughs> zoom-in to Jonathan Majors amongst Love his it. introduction as the big bad guy. I, I think there are goods here, not just the credibility and legitimacy of the cast i'm surprised as well i thought this was going to be more western i'm actually kind of happy it's not i, I mean the the hip-hop cartoonish actiony western that it was presented as i thought was really cool really i neat. want yeah i want like documentaries on how he did all those shots and all that camera mm. work because it doesn't feel like the the normal uh you know, steady cam. It doesn't feel like the normal crane shots at all. I mean, right. are they hanging cables? Are they using drones? Uh, it just it looked so cool. I agree with you. And I could, I would love to be wrong that this could be a refreshing new type of Oscar movie. Just the fact that we've been doing this for a while, and movies that are cool action films, even even if they quote unquote yeah. transcend the genre. They typically get ignored, even to the point where, like, Baby Driver, my favorite movie yep. of that year, got ignored. And even at the lament of Academy President at that point, who was like, I wish, you know, for a best popular film, I wish Baby Driver was included at the Oscars. We want to include more of those movies. So if this movie breaks through, I will be thrilled. And you're absolutely right that the cast can make that happen with Delroy Lindo, with the momentum he has coming. Mm. I mean, you do have a snub reaction. Uh, the year, the, the year, a year later. So Delroy Lindo's got momentum heading into this year. The fact that Regina King is a recent winner and Idris Elba is, is viewed uh, upon as somebody that's 
uh, even as, as, as saturated as we are with Idris Elba, he's everywhere. Yeah. The fact that he's under, under uh, awarded for sure mm-hmm. coming off of Beasts of No Nation from 2015, coming off of uh, the fact that uh, he, he did not get hired to be the next James Bond as of now. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that that's it's almost getting that he's overdue. He's pay, he's paid his dues. He's overdue. But you know, for him to have a slow motion, cool ass walk scene, that that never gets Oscars. So yeah, that's, that's I, why I mean, I'm worried. In that regard. you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. Um, I, I again, what you made the case for why it demands at least attention and demands. Yeah. I think people are going to watch it. The Academy's going to watch it. I mean, look, anything Regina King does, any voting body's going to watch. Correct. So it'll at least I think this won't have a problem getting eyes on it. Netflix is certainly going to help in that regard as well. Uh, you're right, though. It's not typically an Academy movie. I can't I can't argue against that. And I don't know. I, do you know the work of the of the bullets, a.k.a. James Sam, Samuel, who's behind the uh, the camera I, here? I do not. But I, I I've heard a lot of buzz about him. And the fact that the trailer showcased some awesome camera work, mm. maybe that's the lead in. Maybe the. Maybe the editing or the cinematography is the lead-in, and we go from there. I feel like we're saying fingers crossed a lot, but yeah, man, I I, I want to see this. I really do. I would love for this to be a player uh, at the end of the day, but it looks like a hit. I want to click play on the movie right now. The yeah. harder they fall on Netflix, they said it's it's about to fall this fall or something. I forget what they wrote down. It, whatever that was is much more clever than what I just said. <laughs> Michael Coda from Apple TV Plus uh, from Sundance 2021. What did you think of the trailer for Coda? Tugs at the heartstrings, man. I mean, I think, I think it's a wildly inventive concept that's still so grounded in the reality of like the everyday and the things we take for granted. I'm almost embarrassed. It's something that I had never thought of myself. I mean, how do you chase your passion when those closest to you physically can't understand it? And here you've described this movie already. You've seen this. Uh, I think this is a heavy question. I didn't expect it to be so appealing, I guess, upon what I, when I first saw the trailer. Well, that's why this movie works, because it really is a dramedy. You have, I, I'm glad you have Apple TV Plus able to cut this trailer so well and get you the theme of the story, but the fact that we you're also going to get a film that's very funny and entertaining, mm. and you got a lot of great music in the, in the, in the movie... Uh, that that's why it worked so well at Sundance, and that's why so many people walked away with like Coda being the best movie they saw at Sundance, if not Mass or whatever. But they right. it was one of the best movies they saw at Sundance, and uh, it, it it's coming out in August, which is tough uh, in terms of award sledding. Maybe I think has... any indie film is going to have a tough go this year, quite right. frankly. Right, but the fact that it does something unique and it tells a story that's that's criminally undertold. And sure. the, the fact that you're going to get a, a, a beautiful movie in the summer where it has all, all eyes on this movie, maybe it's going to have a moment and uh, or another moment, I guess, on top of Sundance. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that the gamble pays off for Apple TV Plus, too, because like if this gets them more seven dollar subscriptions or more monthly trials and then you can watch Ted Lasso in the morning show, then that is going to be a positive affirmation for Apple to keep making great movies or acquiring great movies in this regard. So that would like people out there, our listeners, 
you know, I hope you are some of many that would say, all right, let me give Apple a try because this is worth $7, if not much more than that. Yeah. And, you know, you can watch Ted Lasso while you're there or watch the morning show while you're there, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of, uh, Mythic Quest is another fun show. Except on, that on Apple, Apple is Plus. one of the, you know, major studios that we know has no interest in saving theaters whatsoever. So it's like, well, yeah, we want, Yet. you know, well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, until they buy up everything that AMC doesn't own. So yeah, like it, it's, I feel like we, we sound like we're speaking out of both sides of our mouths sometimes because we want theaters to do well and the studios to, to keep making great content. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so that's why we're hopeful for Apple. I completely, completely agree with everything you say. And yet at the same time, agree with the notion that we want theaters to survive. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And gosh darn it this next movie better be a hit in theaters halloween kills we've built this entire segment to this moment michael uh we also got some news around halloween kills uh as one final prologue before we review this trailer it's going to be venice's favorite film ever yeah apparently halloween (laughs) kills it was just announced this past week uh it's going to be playing the venice film festival jamie lee curtis is going to be receiving a lifetime achievement award at the festival Mm mm-hmm the news that Halloween Kills was playing Venice broke before the Jamie Lee Curtis getting the award news broke. So I was hoping like this was just being dropped on the Venice crowd and they right. really had a bloodlust to want to see Mikey Myers <laughs> in one of the more like shocking turn of events. But this is obviously Halloween Kills is not your traditional Venice Film Festival type fair. It's probably easier to sell this debuting to the Venice crowd if you're giving Jamie Lee Curtis a Lifetime Achievement Award on top of it and kind of wooing her. She's going to come if you're debuting her film. So I think that kind of explains itself, sadly, for my expectations. Uh, Here's the thing with Venice. Like, they're winning us over, aren't they? Last year they had more female filmmakers than ever. Now they have one of the more outspoken... Uh, Me Too movement uh, spokespeople, for lack of a better, and and Jamie Lee Curtis. And this movie, in many ways that you're going to talk about, is a response to that era in Hollywood. And I don't think it's I don't think it's going out on a limb on our part. Well, it's not. Uh, it's not our part. Yeah, I mean, it's Jamie Lee Curtis who's the one who spelled it out, and this, this, it's her theory on her Instagram. But like you said, we'll, we'll touch on that. She's making the movie. She's basically right. one of the producers and the filmmakers. So absolutely. So right. this is, this is Mike. This is a good sign for Halloween Kills. Just like I'm going to say, it's a good sign for Dune. Or I think we said it last week, right? We already covered the Dune story. Mm-hmm. It's a good sign that they're putting this movie in front of critics a month before it's it's supposed to make all of its money because that is confidence yeah. in Halloween Kills. They if they knew they were going to get a thirty percent on the tomato meter ahead of its release, they're not putting this movie at the film festival. They, right? They expect the movie to be well received. Uh, it, otherwise, it's a huge gamble that's not worth it. If I mean, you want to see, you're not going to fool critics. If you want to see the opposite approach, look at what Amazon's doing with the Tomorrow War, who nobody can get their hands mm-hmm. on. They haven't had any. I mean, I don't know that Tomorrow War is going to be but, good or bad, but right. usually, I mean, keep an eye on that versus what Halloween, where Universal's doing with Halloween here. Those are two completely opposite approaches. Well, um, you can see the how rise of Skywalker, right? Nobody saw the rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker to the premiere right before. Mm-hmm. And that got the lowest tomato meter right. score ever. I mean, that's just a recent example, and I probably shouldn't say something as brazen as, you know, you can't fool critics because that was the dumbest thing I may have ever said on this podcast <laughs> because I've been fooled before. So of you, uh, people who are just still no, no, kicking. No, no, no. We know. are perfect. 
No, people are probably still kicking things over our Fast 9 review. We're against everybody else on that movie. But I don't care. I, st- I stand by what we said. We had too much fun not to say to be as happy with F9 as we were. But look, I mean, again, expectations is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. The fact that you are putting a movie like Halloween Kills at Venice can only speak to its credibility. And I'm not saying that Halloween Kills is going to get an Oscar campaign over this, even though it should. I not. am. <laughs> Halloween ends, on the other hand, you never know. You never know. I, again, your lips to God's ears, man. I, I hope it, it makes a lot of sense academically, and I do think it's a show of strength. I mean, somebody had to have gotten in touch with Jamie Lee Curtis. You're not just going to blindly call her, you know. I mean, yeah. something happens there, and you don't play Venice unless you think you have something. The uh, cynical the cynical devil's advocacy, advocacy, though, says, all right, well, can just displayed fast nine or they're going to exhibit fast nine on the beach there uh, this is not something new for for film festivals to sure do. they do they do release big movies and it's not just oscar movies sure and they have done it before and they're doing it with you know again cynical brain my worry is that i'm being is that my cynical brain will win here and that I, dune is not necessarily the oscar player and that they're giving wb's big blockbuster an early release and therefore some early, you know, red carpet. So the fact that they're now doing the same for Universal is them playing to both studios and and, and being the truth equitable. is probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, right. you know, it's it, like it always is. I, I think your talk about expectations is something we've honed in on a lot lately here. I think that's mm-hmm. proper. I mean, Fast Nine. I don't know. We it got exactly what we were thinking we were going in for, which was that type of movie. I have to imagine Halloween. Like, yes, this is going to heighten expectations, but hopefully, it still lives up to it, and that's going to be the the entire story of it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about what the content of the trailer had itself. I thought this had more blood and guts than the entire first movie, and I think wow. that's yeah. intentional. And I think we can expect more of the same throughout. I, I, I figured as a basis for storytelling, the first one was going to be like cat and mouse, or I guess reverse cat and mouse, because you could say Laurie was kind of hunting Michael. Yeah. Uh, the second one I thought was going to be like your major bloodbath and likely loss of a major character or two. And we'll talk more about that in a second. And I thought the third was going to be where it all ends in one big final showdown. I think that's where we're going with this. But those storytelling beats for the trilogy, like you said, I, I mean... They've just fit so well with what's been going on in society and in Hollywood and in the industry as far as social justice reforms and and movements go. And I think David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are both wise to those. I think they are wise to those. And Jamie Lee Curtis is the microphone for those. She's on a loudspeaker uh, pushing those themes to the world. That's that's awesome. And that, that gives us... That gives us validity to everything we did with MMO Does Halloween, right? We we talked about these things, you know, back when we weren't just talking about a horror movie and a, a slasher mm-hmm. movies just aren't slasher movies. It's not just about the bloodlust. And the fact that you can get those themes executed by filmmakers of this ability would be huge for the genre, Mike, Agreed. overall. Like for the, it has gravitas. Yeah. So I guess I'm hoping that this is a chase film. And you said bloodbath, and I'm guessing you're probably more right than me, but my overarching hope is that they move the genre to what worked in the Rob Zombie vignette, 
Mm. Right? I mean, that was such... That was like 14 minutes of chase film terror. That yeah, was, was the awesome. Terminator 2 of Halloween's Michael Myers versus Laurie Strode capabilities. And the fact that this trailer is structured as a bit of a chase movie, I would say, even though I, I'm sure it's going to devolve into the posse versus Michael kind of thing. And I, I love that they're drawing from all these other films, but that would be awesome. If we just get a badass action movie thriller, like the thriller goods come through, not just suspense, but thriller goods uh, in Halloween kills here. I, I would be over the moon. I am open and ready for all of it. Uh, <laughs> I would, I will take, just give me a decent movie and have it stand up to be a reflection of what is going on in Hollywood. And we'll get to the Jamie Lee Curtis post here on her Instagram about, uh, she's, you could tell you called her the microphone. She's swelling with pride about this and about what this trilogy has done. And she came out and I'm paraphrasing her post here, but she said that the first 2018's Halloween, uh, dealt with Lori's trauma, much in the same way the industry was reckoning with its own trauma exposed by the Me Too movement. Yep. And now this one, we have a pissed off Michael after trying to be burned alive by the Strode girls. We have a pissed off trio of Strode women who mimic the feeling against social oppression. Many of us are feeling, uh, when we all say we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. Uh, again, this is all from Jamie Lee Curtis pointing that out on this Instagram post when she was promoting the first trailer for Halloween Kills. I think movies should be a reflection of their times. I've said that a bunch on this show. And amazingly, the fact that like Halloween can be a shining example of that and be a, a positive reflection of the subtext of what's going on in the industry around it as it strives for change. I, I think that's just amazing frankly i'm excited that they're gonna kind of take all of the hackneyed elements of some of those money grab sequels i know you don't want to hear this but some <laughs> of those sequels were money grabs <laughs> four, none five, six, no, seven, none of them four five six seven eight eight two uh those money grab sequels that we joyously reviewed though mm -hmm. And MMO does Halloween. It was very too Mike, too furious in that regard. We <laughs> had so much fun with those sequels. But the fact that they're taking some of the best elements of all those storylines. And I thought the posse element was great. In, yeah. I, I, was it four or five? I'm forgetting now. I believe but, it was four, yeah. Yeah, four. That, was a, that, was a, that was awesome. We wanted to see that play out. And you're going to get that on top of the 1981 connected through line of the night in question of Laurie Strode again in a hospital gown. But now you got this, you know, you got this redux uh, of, of, you know, the new Laurie Strode mm -hmm. having to fight Michael on that particular night with it wounded. I mean, it, it, it's her vulnerable, but at the same time, you know, her her prodigies are going to have to, progeny, I should say, they're going to have to pick up the slack. Now, let me say this about what <laughs> you just mentioned. <laughs> I am aware the shot in the trailer with Michael holding a knife to Allison's face while she dares him to do it is a red herring and she definitely survives. <laughs> I will have Allison die a thousand deaths <laughs> before I don't see Laurie get to the finale of this trilogy with Michael. Like... Yes, she's injured. Yes, she needs to be protected. They can't kill her off. They can't. They can't. They can't. They're not going to do that, right? They can't kill Laurie Strode off in the second. You think they're going to, though, right? I could see it. I could smell you think they're going to. Don't let them. Mike, they can't stop them. Can I write a letter? Can you call someone? Don't you care about me? Don't let this happen. All right. I have gone back and forth on this. I think I've had a previous theory that 
where I, where I said, <laughs> I think it was more just to get your goat. <laughs> well, it got you, it. By goat, I mean, yeah, what what just happened there? <laughs> and I I don't think they're gonna do it. And and this is this is famous last words for me because if I'm now wrong, you will have my head, yes. and my goat. <laughs> Uh, and I think I will that, roast your goat. <laughs> and I think that movie marketing and cynical business dealings uh, that we've analyzed throughout this episode and throughout this entire uh, five-year odyssey that is Mike, Mike, and Oscar are convincing me that Halloween ends without Jamie Lee Curtis. Right? How does that work? It can't end. Halloween's over when Jamie Lee's gone. <laughs> so it either. Yeah, they can't. You can you market Halloween ends without Laurie Strode in it? Can no! you just market it on the on the, the the daughter and the granddaughter? No. So my guess is that the daughter will die. I'm sorry. Um, apologies to uh, all fans of Judy Greer, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's cinematic daughter, Strode daughter in this movie. But she's my guess. Like if I had a, a Deadpool. Done. I'm um, done. I'm in. Take take her. Kill her. <laughs> but I am not going to rule out the fact that we're going to think Laurie's in major trouble throughout this movie. Like, we may even end the movie with her looking like she's gone, a goner. And then she resurrects in the final movie to, to kill Michael. What if she falls into Michael and says, Mr. Myers, I don't feel so good, and then turns into ash <laughs> and dust in the wind, only to yeah. come back in Act 3 of the finale. Yeah, that's what I... To fight I, alongside Captain America. But we've had the <laughs> empowerment role reversal to kick this series off, so it would make sense that the you know the fear being struck into Michael for once won't happen in this movie, but might happen in the last one. I don't know. I don't care what needs to happen. I need the finale of this trilogy. The whole Halloween is Michael versus Laurie. Yeah, it's become that in all of its sequels, right? And H2O did that. Yes. To per- we, what we thought was perfection at the time and what we thought was one of the best rewatches of the series, yes. Halloween H2O. So, yeah, we need, we need mom- more moments like that. And I, I do think... I do think these guys growing up when they grew up, just like us growing up when we grew up, I think they're going to feed off of that. And that's what it, it seems like to me based on the first film, based on this trailer. I, I hope you're right. I hope we're right in that regard. I, I'm, I'm definitely afraid for myself. My sanity hinges on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> we need that. We're I don't ask devastated. for much. <laughs> you ask for much, but. That's neither here nor there. I don't, think it's, there. I don't, see how I don't that's think it's unjustified. No, you're. <laughs> You, you know, you, you're you're very uh, demanding. Objection, <laughs> Michael. We do have some news that we uh, we need to plow through here because it is very award centric, and it is probably why we could still call this an Oscar race checkpoint. Uh, <laughs> well, that in the Best Picture campaign coming up for Halloween Kills. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I, I immediately take it back. No, I don't, <laughs> Michael. The DGA, the Directors Guild of America. Awkward edit there. They reinstituted a theatrical first-run requirement for its top Director of the Year award, but it's only for seven days. What do you think of this? Yeah, so a film has to play a first run in a theater for at least seven or seven days minimum. So that's mm-hmm. like some kind of carrot to a few 
The baby Probably carrot? Studio. A baby? Yeah, studio. Little, a bike theaters, theaters are in so much trouble. Man, well, but. it screws the day and date. It does do that. I so don't like Dune is right exactly, Dune, and that's the first right. one. That's the first one I thought of is that, and they make explicit mention that you can't do day and date and have that qualify for the DGAs. So, I mean, I does Villeneuve care? Does HBO Max care? I don't know. Does Netflix care that they seem to not be qualifying for the DGAs this year, or are they going to actually, you know, is Netflix going to play it in its one theater that it owns for a week first and then put it out We're on Netflix? Gonna- we're going to be able to read between the lines of what WB actually thinks of Dune's candidacy by how mm. they handle this. If we have Dune being released on in theaters on October 15th, a week early now, we're going to know if they think they have a, a, a bona fide you know, four-quadrant Oscar contender, never mind a bona fide four-quadrant uh, you know, opening weekend. Right. Uh, the, the quote from the, uh, the DGA says, under the rule, which was first introduced in 2019, feature films released through other distribution platforms on the same day and date as they premiere in theaters are not eligible for the DGA Theatrical Feature Film Award. And that's as black and white as it gets, I think. So, yeah, yeah I, I echo what you say. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and we're going to keep tabs on how these studios play, or these streaming studios at least, play with these uh, potential Oscar hopefuls. And we did get some news from the Academy on their tweaking of the rules that uh, did not reinstitute a first run in theaters requirement mm-hmm. uh, so all right we knew 10 best pictures was happening and that's happening we knew that the window was going to be march 1st of 2021 through december 31st of 2021 as the cutoff for the oscars eligibility we did not know that they were going to basically repeat and run back the same language for 2021-22 oscar requirements in terms of the release dates basically being the same as last year they re- they literally kind of copy pasted most of that as far as you know what what i'm reading here michael basically saying that you must have designed a theatrical release first and then you can go off of that theatrical release it's permitted oh interesting uh, to go off of that that. and it's and it's also basically you can you can day and dates will count again if they fit into that you know caveat right Hmm. where yeah i mean dune was was uh, planned for a theatrical first and then they went off of that and they can prove as much of course i think the fact that we have uh no seven day first run requirement hard and fast is definitely the academy still siding with streamers over theaters for the moment even though i'm sure they don't characterize it that way Mike. right and i mean it makes sense for the dga to want to the most outspoken people about saving theaters have been directors. Right. But so, they did not get what they wanted. I'm sure they wanted like 21 days. They did not right, get that at all. Right, right, But the fact that they have something versus the Academy, who obviously, you know, that's not their concern right now. Their concern is to to placate the studios for the most part. Uh, in the studios, like we keep saying, they have a chance to prove they care about theaters. They haven't really taken any of those chances, though. The industry is making too much money on streaming. Mm-hmm. They're making too much money at home right now to institute a rule. I do give the DGA credit, though. I do think that helps movie theaters a little bit. It's something. But, okay, otherwise, we got some tweaks to the rules. I'll, I'll summarize them quickly. Uh, short lists 
get expanded from 10 to 15 for the short film categories, which gives you and I more work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the audio categories, there's a few changes. The music categories here. Uh, movies can only nominate five original songs now for, for shortlist consideration. I guess musicals were nominating more, which probably was not a great yeah i i saw that i read that and i was just as confused as you sound right now because from my knowledge at least in the last couple years when the like a star is born only submitted i think two yeah i think it's wiser to do that right it's wiser to do that because otherwise you cannibalize yourself exactly when you're trying to get down to these short lists especially in a stronger year so the fact that maybe they're protecting these movies from themselves in a way uh if if you have a big original introduce myself <laughs> well yeah i mean if you have a big original musical which we do have this year you could you know you can nominate all the songs from vivo for instance sure and now you should not do that you should or if you have multiple on... original songs for the west side story remit yeah i mean but I, I don't imagine they would have six but who knows they don't and thankfully they don't <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna remake west side story and you have six original songs shame on you uh three of them are from cats original score (laughs) now lessens their requirement michael best original score used to require 60 percent original music which makes sense if it's an original score more than more music than not has to be original now it's down to 35 percent. so this is interesting here because we have lamented the fact that some scores have not been eligible or barely eligible and therefore not taken seriously does this open up does this open up the possibility that you can have a, a heavily soundtracked movie and get, you know, and get a lot of people confused in that branch to the point where some soundtrack could overlay the original score? Anyway, we've seen we've was seen us ourselves the first thing upset. you thought of? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Me too. me too. That was the first thing I thought of. I wonder if this was would have been enough to get us in the. Uh, Jordan Peele's Us. I've got five on it. it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's. I don't know where. I don't know either. I, but I mean, technically, that song, as well as being an not an original song, maybe, but it was part of the soundtrack and the score of the film. I don't know. But again, I think if you're considering films with less original music and more, you know, recycled soundtrack songs, mm-hmm. the, that fact is going to muddy up the waters to where maybe something a movie like that with musical goods delivered like that can have more of a chance the academy knows it's thoroughly confused the documentary feature branch it's working on thoroughly confusing others and now they're taking aim it, it, it's thoroughly confused the sound branch last year by merging the two now they're taking aim at the they're just slowly trying to make sure that they're always in business is the only ones who know exactly what the hell is going on with each individual category they're keeping us uh, having to research <laughs> is what they're going to do. And we're going to have to continue to research like this. This story just we're, we're just analyzing yeah. this now. So apologies. But, you know, we'll we'll dive deeper into this as we go. It does. It does open things up, though, I believe, is my first take on the, the music categories here, the original score categories for competition. And I'm glad they're doing that. And the, and the fact that this last caveat was thrown in there, basically best sound is now going to have a preliminary voting round like VFX, like makeup and hair does to get to a short list uh, of 10 that's something new as well that I think, uh, it, it, again, it's going to increase competition heading into it, and it's going to hone in on them nominating as a branch, nominating the best scores, the best sound, the best VFX, makeup, and hair. Uh, again, I, I think it works. 
Do you think a short list for every category would be a better conversation piece? Not necessarily, because we saw that backfire with BAFTA. But I do wonder if the Academy is looking at award season and saying we want to be, we want this to be more about our process than it is about, you know, the re- the rest of these award shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could capitalize on that. Like Scott Feinberg talked to us. Sure. On that Feinberg final preview, they they want their game to be considered more the Academy. And I think they want their process to be more transparent. And we, we've said this for a while. Like, if we're going to redo the award season format, the Academy would have more preliminaries. And those would be more publicized. The mm. fact that we're getting news on the preliminaries of award season, more news on it than ever, more coverage than ever, is a good thing for awards pundits. And it's a good thing for the business at large. The problem is... I do think that a lot of the big ticket movies are not in play as much. So this this could help that. This could help that it, the fact that the technical categories and the, you know, the music categories which have a lot of quote unquote popular films involved, big budget films involved, mm. big orchestras, you know, involved, that that is going to help the academy draw attention to more bigger films. In the lead up, I would say, again, I mean, they have to do this. They have to. We just talked about it with Garrick, Mike. They have to get get a wider cross section of the business. Otherwise, they're not going to survive. They're going to continue to become more and more niche, which is the opposite of what they want to do as an academy. They need the big movies to be represented. They don't necessarily need all the theme park movies to be represented. Martin, <laughs> funniest. Again, I'm quoting Gary, which is hilarious from the last episode. They, don't, I don't think they need that to happen, but they do need, they do need more popular films voted on. Yeah, at the end of the day. I think. I mean, that's that's fact is clearly evident. I'm just, I'm trying to think if you know if if there was a short list for best actor a couple of years ago of maybe like 15 names or 20 names before you get to the five nominees, maybe Robert Downey Jr.'s name would have been in there, and then you could have had a whole you know that would have appealed to more people, even though that. Is intrigue, Mike. Can you imagine yeah. what that does for our show? What that does to for all the pundits, and what that does to the academy visibility? I mean, you could have again. I don't necessarily need. You don't need the Hunger Games necessarily. You don't need the big reality TV show buildup, right? But it would make money. For, I think for so the too. Academy. I think, and I think it would reach more people. But it would also, you know, with any time you have a cutoff, you're going to have complaints too. It's like the BCS in college football, or like the college playoff right now, right? If you have they, the, if you let the top four teams in, the fifth team's going to complain. If you let if the, they maybe they're trying to figure out if the process works for these other branches, mm. can it work for the bigger categories? Maybe yeah. I do think that's a growth potential for the academy. They should investigate it. They need to. There's a lot of things that Academy needs to do, but I'm just happy for their changes and that they seem to be doing okay. With right, you know, now. at least on paper again, right, right with right, the changes. Right. Like we're not against any of these moves that they've been making. No. I think they're enhancing things, and to me, there's growth potential in this move. Don't necessarily overlook it. Is what we're trying to say. All of these short lists could wind up you know, blowing up in a larger format someday, especially with the Golden Globes going by the wayside like we just saw. 
I've said it'd be interesting way too much because I just I, I, I am genuinely fascinated and curious about to see how these types of things play out. But uh, yeah, it, I, I'm I think you're right in saying that the Academy has an eye on the future. And I think that's a good thing for them. And I feel they more better. hopeful about that than I have about their eyes on the future in the last couple of years. The fact that we now have a board of governors, mostly women, making seemingly, again, making smart moves. Mm. Let's just say, I think these are a collection of smart moves. So let's let's see how it plays out. Agree. Uh, We can wrap up here, finalize with some uh, big release date changes, Michael. So Dune got moved to October 22nd, and that bumped last night in Soho to October 29th. This is the last week's worth of jockeying for position we've gotten, which again pits WB and Universal kind of in the same story because last night in Soho is focused features, I believe. So we have a lot of movies that probably will continue to move around because, Michael, the fall is loaded it's a joke. with... <laughs> It's with too an, much. It's an absolute joke of how loaded this fall is going to be. Yeah, Many Sense in Newark was going to be September 24th. That's going to move to Dune's former October 1st release date. Cry Macho, the Clint Eastwood movie, comes off of 1022, where Dune will now go, and Cry Macho gets a uh, undesirable mid-September release instead. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dune... Uh, like the aforementioned Halloween Kills, going to have a mid-October release after having its world debut at Venice. It looks as though... Dune is going to go head-to-head with at least the French Dispatch, with Last Night in Soho now to come a week later. Do we know if the French Dispatch is platforming? It's just If it's just opening in New York and L.A. that weekend? I don't think we know that yet. I, so do, maybe, I don't know that yet. I, I did not look that. I, I just uh, went on the IMDb release yeah. schedule. I don't think... Maybe they don't know that yeah, yet. Because right. they're... I mean, they, you would look to expand something like the French Dispatch probably in between you know, major wide releases, right? right. Or as counter-programming to, like... Unless they think... I mean, maybe they think yeah. Wes Anderson's got, a, you know, another Grand Budapest on his hands and they want to get in front of more... I don't know. So, I, But just for the sake of what's coming up in the fall, I mean, starting on October 8th and finishing through 2021, here's just some of the titles due out in that 12-week stretch. Dune, French Dispatch, mm-hmm. Halloween Kills, Last Night in Soho, No Time to Die, The Last Duel, Eternals, Ghostbusters, Top Gun, King Richard, House of Gucci, Encanto, Resident Evil's reboot, Nightmare Alley, West Side Stories remake, Spider-Man 3, Sing 2, Matrix 4, Downton Abbey 2, The Kingsman. My God. It's great. But it's too crowded. Yeah. And we have seen studios move things around before in the past. And the fact that we got a minor movement here from last night in Soho off of WB's blockbuster moving, I think that's that's a sign of things to come. There's no way you're going to get blockbuster after blockbuster week after week here. There's no way that happens. I don't see it either, but these are also movies that have been in the can for a while and studios have been sitting on them. Maybe they're tired that's of them not making money, so who knows? Fine, but... This is not necessarily going to be a Dom Toretto, Jason Statham game of chicken. They're, they're, I mean, these studios are not going to spite themselves. They're not going to crash their beautiful just cars let, into each let other. let it be, Hunger Games. Let them fight each other. I want the strongest to survive. We'll see who King Studio is. <laughs> they need to make money. They no. have to spread things out more. They, <laughs> no. There's no They've way. They've made their like, money. Now it's time for them to entertain me in a different way than on screen. Every week, every day, night of the week, because we're going to have to go to the movies every <laughs> night of the week. To see I'm, I'm with you. I don't see how this sustains. I don't see how this holds up. Some are going to platform and some are going to hit wide in January. It's not all, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to see that happen as well, but that's one 
release strategy differing from the normal blockbusters coming out. That The fact that we have too many blockbusters right now, to me, says that something's going to move. So even if some of the movies do move, I mean, we're, we're barreling towards a huge fall right now. Uh, with it being the month of July, we're closer to it than I think any of us realize. Only a few months out for the studios to make those moves. Before we say goodbye, uh, Mike... You did go see Zola. You want to make the case for it or against it? Or what do you think of the, really the movie that's kind of taken the film Twitter by storm right now? A lot of people are talking about it. The crazy story of Zola. Yeah, a little stinger for weeks to come uh, with this review because I'm going to do both in a way because I'm going to make the case for it against it. I'm going to make the case for it as a movie that should be seen. Uh, Janixa Bravo, apologies if I'm not pronouncing her name right. She has abilities as a director high ability and capability as a storyteller i that's my biggest takeaway like she directs the hell out of this movie this movie has style to burn a phrase i said earlier it's also nailing its central storyline and if you can do that from a twitter thread (laughs) that's where this movie was adapted yeah a twitter thread yeah you can tell a story from a twitter thread and make it into a a 90 minute movie that just bangs from start to finish that's wrong (laughs) Again, this is why I don't write these reviews in, in written form yet. I don't. That's not my strength. Nonstop we're, from start to finish. We're taught just nonstop <laughs> huffing it. No, this is a movie about sex, and this is a movie about uh, surrealism as a, a jockeying with realism. Mike, I think this movie pulls off that balance so much, so much better than I've seen it in the past. Like we've seen the uh, what was the movie with Alien? What was that guy with James Franco, uh, Spring Breakers? We've seen Spring Breakers go full just nonsense. Yes. And everybody loves that because it's so schlocky or you hate it because it's so schlocky. This movie really toggles back and forth between the hard R, you know, glittery, sugar-coated, you know, kind of like this glimpse of social media at its most surreal and, mm-hmm. and you know it's bullshit but you watch it anyway and you know it's glorifying these people's lives but you you watch it anyway you can't look away but there's also the realism of like this movie that's dealing with the world's oldest profession right and that's not a that's not, this movie is intense and it's also a music video at other times so she pulls that off that's a balancing act that I, I'm just very impressed with Bravo's ability to direct this movie, to write this movie. And the fact that you got some of the best performances I've seen from Riley Keough and Taylor Page, whose careers I've, I've really enjoyed up till now, that's a huge achievement for Zola. So this movie's a be-all day. It's worth Good. seeing. My biggest issue with Zola is Coleman Domingo, Mike. No! You, I know! Well, how did it happen? I thought he overacted. Wow. And maybe... You know, maybe it's the the he's at the nexus between the surrealism and the realism. Mm-hmm. He's at the nexus between the hyper real and what we know is bullshit and what we know is being, you know, put I, on on the big screen. We we know that he's a down and dirty character. I've but read he's that also, Twitter thread multiple, multiple, multiple times, and the character he plays is uh, definitely at a couple crossroads in life and in the movie and in the plot itself. Yes, I agree. <laughs> My biggest issue with this movie is that there's a Chekhov's principle that happens. That's a very movie principle, and it happens at the end of this film. So if you're if you're you're kind of taking me out of the film when you have such a cinematic mm. storytelling device, and maybe it happened in real life, and it's life imitating art, imitating life, imitating. I don't know. Maybe it's true, but the fact that it plays out in the movie like this doesn't disqualify the movie. It's just 
something that takes away from the realism. And, and again, it's that crossroads. So it, it involves a Coleman Domingo character. He's still really good in the movie. It's just he has like this alter ego that doesn't make any sense to me that, that didn't work. I get it, but I don't get it. Anyway, Zola is worth seeing. A24 never makes a boring film. Yeah. Be all day, undeniably well-made, and I don't think it's an Oscar movie. So after all that, I don't think it'll get close to the Oscars, but for a July release, I mean, this is, yeah, go see it. Go see it this weekend. It's 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 a little grimy, obviously. Like I said, it's going to be hardcore realism as well as, and if you know the subject matter, as well as, you know, the glittery, what you see on Instagram every day and those stories and where it came from. But you can't deny how well done it is. I have to go see it. I, I can't, I, I, I'm infatuated with that story. And uh, Riley Keogh obviously is, is someone we are, have spoken highly about here before. I'm, I'm happy to hear that it's, it landed so well with you. I, that's, that's great. I don't, you know, not an Oscars movie. I don't know that anyone expected that necessarily, <laughs> but well, I, I just wanted a good time at the exactly. movie theaters. And I did get that, even exactly. though it's more than that. It's like, it's, it's, I, you walk out just like shiv- like oh that's some of that's gross but some of that's awesome and oh my god what's happening? It made you feel. That's great. That's awesome. The mm-hmm. the, the the Twitter thread movie about the stripper in Florida made you feel. <laughs> totally, Can't and it made me feel a lot. That. That's great. I'm very confused. Is what I end this movie. I'm very just confused <laughs> about everything. And this and every episode, yeah. <laughs> Guys, as always, what's most important is what you think. We want to hear from you about your thoughts on any of these trailers about Zola yourself. Did you see it? What did you think about it? Did you have a fun time at the movies with it? Like also Mike did himself, as well as any of the new Academy changes. What are your thoughts on the rules? How do you think the Academy can be more widespread and reach a broader audience? We want to hear all that, as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of that on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple podcast feed, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, we would truly appreciate that. We thank all of you who have done so already. Michael, what is coming next from us? And what are some words of wisdom to end on? So we're going to get to a Black Widow review, I think, at the end of next week, possibly. Mm-hmm. We have covered the MCU now from beginning to end. I have just done an MCU rewatch, Michael. I'm on Infinity War, and I'm having a ball with it. Do you plan on I'm... seeing this in theater? Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't know yet. I want to. Like, And I've been asking people, like, should we go see this together? And they're like, yes. So I think I will see it in theaters. I don't think... I but I'll probably also buy it for thirty dollars. <laughs> uh, Disney, you have me, you have me. I mean, just give me a screener. But I see it in movie theaters anyway. But no, I didn't even ask for a screener, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna buy it one way or another. They they, they just have me. I'm just done. Loki, I'm just so it's so good. Watch Loki. If you're gonna do anything like those, if you're caught up in the MCU, watch Loki. Are those mouse ears growing out of your head organically. Words of wisdom <laughs> is watch Loki, but also we, we have an open slot in the schedule. I don't know what we're doing with it yet i have afi docs i have like four or five docs that i really want to recommend uh, strongly mm-hmm. um we'll review we'll review those at some point i'm not in a rush necessarily but i i do you know because they're not all come coming out yet so we'll, we'll do another little film festival thing i watched a dozen movies at afi docs i loved some movies there good whether that's in a uh 
Oscar Race Checkpoint, and it's on what we're watching episode down the line, road. We don't know. But, yeah, we'll start inventing shit as we do every summer uh, as well, Michael. <laughs> like, I think I like yeah, we're ready to do that again. We, we just had a blast with Two Mike, Two Furious, and maybe we'll have some top fives for you guys. Maybe we'll do some fun stuff. Uh, we'll add some guests here. We'll, we'll build shows around them kind of deal as well so we're we're, we're at the uh, innovation part of mike mike and oscar as, as as well here during uh the beginning of july and the beginning of this box office rebirth we hope yeah and and i mean the fact that it is july like i said before i mean we only have like a month and a half before things start getting serious all over again That's so right. <laughs> well they, they i mean they're kind of somewhat serious now the fact that we got all right. this news right. before yeah, before the big tent poles. It's the come calm out before and... the storm, and it's not that calm. Right. Exactly. Uh, lot to look forward to, a lot that we will be covering, a uh, lot for you to keep tuning in, hopefully, uh, as we will go through the 2021 film and awards year with you. Uh, guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come check out this award season landscape with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.